Join culture creator Ramel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's Program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Kroc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was a lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning. Are you looking to engage with regional decision makers, business leaders, elected officials, and industry professionals committed to improving downtown San Diego? Join the Downtown San Diego Partnership. As a member, you'll receive access to exclusive resources, exposure to special programming, networking functions, and additional opportunities unmatched by any other local membership-based organization. Join the driving forces behind the future of Downtown San Diego. For a 10% discount, become a member today. Welcome to the Voice San Diego podcast in partnership with News Radio 600 Coco. I'm Scott Lewis, CEO and Editor-in-Chief at Voice San Diego. I'm joined, as always, by Andy Keats, Managing Editor at Voice San Diego. Hello, Andy. What's up, my man? How <laughs> <laughs> much? Thank you. And fellow Managing Editor, Andrea Lopez Villafaña. What is up, Lopez? Hey, Lewis. It's great to see you. Same. Coming up on the show this week, it's the election draft episode you've been waiting for. Before every election, we here at Voice San Diego draft the races we are most looking forward to seeing resolved. Mm -hmm. And then on election night, we'll go back through those races. It's quite a cycle. It's just a perfect circle. Mm -hmm. It's a content mill. We'll be examining also this week some of the most potent political messages we've come across. We'll look at mailers, social media ads, and TV spots to break down the messages. And if any political ad ever says what it actually means or what it's actually advocating for. Get your picks lined up and stay with us. So Annie and I disagree about things that are fun, that the, that the world embraces, and one of those things was this. The NLCS to face the Phillies, they had to get through the Dodgers, and arguably the star of that series was not a player from either team, but the goose that landed on the field, of course, at Dodger Stadium in Game 2. So you might have wondered. That's the goose, the rally goose, San Diego goose. Lots of <laughs> interpretations, got its own mural. It was a big deal. Now, I was at a party the other night 
yeah. and we were talking about the goose. And this lady, one of my friends, was just like, I just love that there was something cute and pure that we could all have and that was just part <laughs> of our community and that we could just be, you know, we could just all rally behind this thing that that came. And it's just for once, I didn't have to think about all the problems and all the things wrong with the world and everything going on. It was just this cool little goose. And in my head, I was sitting there thinking the entire time she's talking that I had just been briefed on a story <laughs> that we were running through the newsroom about how the goose was probably debilitated by a terrifying disease and struggling because of what climate change had done to its traditional migratory pattern. A, d- a disease that's like threatening all bird populations in Southern California. Like, and and I'm sitting there, I'm like, yeah, you're right. And I was like, boy, I need you to go get some. You didn't tell her? I need to, no, I didn't tell her. I, I, that's impressive. I. You had a chance I, to explain something. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say for myself, like I can't restrict myself in those situations. I would have had to have been like, yeah, it's probably dead now and it probably killed lots of other birds when they released it back into the population. (laughs) That's on brand for you. I don't think I would have been able to, like even if I wanted to, I would not have been able to just do a normal party thing and let that go and say (laughs) yes and enjoy my drink. I I I couldn't have done it. I think sometimes maybe I'm like a little self-conscious that we just go around bagging on things that people like. And I, I am too. I just can't not do it. I know, I know. Obviously, I, I, I continue to help lead yeah. an organization to do it. I'm yeah. in. Yeah. I'm in on being the, the throw the water on the parade thing guy. Yeah. yeah. The party pooper. But that would have literally been a party pooper. Yeah. Did you, what, did you just quietly send her the link when Mackenzie's story <laughs> no, published I this haven't. week? I should, huh? No, no additional comment. No initial analysis. Well, she's one of those like sort of quarter readers who like only vaguely knows what I do. Okay, and like I don't know. I feel like there's other things. Oh yeah, it would be a hostile act. (laughs) But I just, I again, I think you should do it. Probably. Well, explain. (laughs) So Mackenzie decides she wants to dig in and understand as best she can both why the bird was where it was, yeah, and why it landed so awkwardly on the field in Dodger Stadium. What do we what did we get out of that? Well, so an expert in, like said, yes, I, I immediately recognized the bird's erratic behavior as, as probably the result of it being infected with the avian flu. Mm-hmm. And then, then there was the question of why it was even in that area, that, that L.A. used to be a pasture of ponds and things that when geese sleep, they have to sleep in the water. And there were ample places for it to be as they went through. But now LA's not like that. LA's like really developed. I don't yeah. know if you've heard. And and without water on account <laughs> of the drought. Yes. And so there is there's they would normally stay in the Sacramento region, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And that they're making their way more and more south looking for these ponds and places to stop. Yep. And that's why it was there and it probably landed where it did because of some debilitating Mm -hmm. illness. I just love that part in her story where she's like explaining like what this goose was doing for everybody at the moment. Like people were making stickers, people were buying like little plastic geese. Like, you know, it was like a whole thing. People were like, oh my God, it's the, you'll have to help me out here. It's the spirit of whatever baseball player. What was his name? Goose Gossage. Yes. Um, like, you know, she like, no, they think it was really him, right? Yeah. 
It's like this whole thing. And meanwhile, there's like experts watching this like, oh my God, this goose is probably super sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? It's like somebody who studies the animal and is just at home horrified, just like, yeah. oh, oh, this is so God. bad. <laughs> and oh. the, then there's the other part, like the Dodgers won't say what happened to the goose, right? Like everybody's yeah. like, they, 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 well, we humanely released. Well, but he, and here's the, that, that's what's so funny is they clearly chose the path of least resistance to say like, well, we humanely released the bird. Which allows everybody to go, oh, thank goodness. Yeah, like it just but flew like, away and which is, met its If this is and- accurate, then it's releasing a infected bird into the population to go infect the rest of the bird population. Right. It's, uh, it, it's not humane to do that. <laughs> and if it's inaccurate, yeah. then what did they do? Right. And Which <laughs> probably they don't want to say. <laughs> probably don't want to say. Yeah. So... <laughs> Happy Saturday, <laughs> San Diego. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Lopez. What's up? There is a contradiction in the universe. Mm-hmm. And that is that everyone says that they don't read mail that is sent to them from campaigns mm-hmm. and that they throw it right into the recycling bin. Mm-hmm. And yet, that's all that campaigns do, <laughs> and it works. So, one of them is wrong, right? Uh-huh. And my thinking is that people actually do read it, and it does matter. And I am a avowed aficionado of all mail people send in. I like to highlight them. And so... We are going to do a little section about mail, about uh, social media ads, and other things we've seen and stand out, and what the like underlying messages are saying mm-hmm. and not saying, and what some of them mean that they would never say in another context, right? Like it's fascinating some of these things, right? So, yeah. uh, Andy, we'll start with you. You on Instagram came across a beautiful specimen. Can you describe it, please? Yeah. <laughs> it was now I include Instagram in this discussion. Yeah, the social media so, ones. I've yeah. gotten more ads on Instagram. Yeah. So on Instagram, there was one for for message, measure measure B, yeah. the people's ordinance. It's important to stipulate with mail pieces that their job is not to actually explain what the measure does in clear mm-hmm. terms. They spend a, they do a lot of publishing, a lot of words and they never they never want you to understand what exactly is happening. There's like more complicated it's like they decide what type of person you want to see yourself as. Oh my god, I just got an idea. We should do a mailer <laughs> in the same style but that is but, just about explaining what it actually does. Ooh. Interesting. Uh, okay, we'll need five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> let's, let's circle go. back. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's describe this one. Uh, Instagram. Um, so the, this Instagram one was for Measure B. This is the would change the people's ordinance to allow the city to charge a fee for anybody who gets trash collection from the city of San Diego. Yeah, it doesn't implement the fee. Allows them to after some study. Yeah, what the. What the measure said, what the ad said was, Measure B corrects a 100-year-old law that allows some people to be charged for trash pickup twice. <laughs> now, in a certain way of viewing Measure B, that is a perfectly fine description of what it does. Right. That people who live in apartments. Most people who live in apartments and condos. They pay a property tax, either 
because they own their home, they own their condo and they pay a property tax or because the, their landlord owns the home and pays a property tax and passes that cost on to them in the way of in the means of rent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also because they get their trash taken from them through private companies that come and pick up their dumpsters, uh, they have to pay directly to that company. So they pay be, twice. They pay twice. Whereas single family homeowners pay their property tax. And with that, they get trash service, but they don't have to pay individual uh, a specific fee for that. What's odd about that, though, is it concedes a really major point in this fight, which is often you'll hear people who think we should change the people's ordinance describe it as saying that the people's ordinance allows single family homeowners to get trash collection for free. Yes. If you say that people who live in apartments are paying twice, you're conceding that they don't get it for free, that paying your property tax out of which the city pays for trash collection is necessarily paying for trash. Mm-hmm. And so that's so, in any other context. If this was a debate, if this was like something that was being introduced in a news story for the first time, conceding that people that everyone does pay for trash service would be huge. It would be such a major getaway. And, and also it doesn't mention that their solution to this problem is to make sure that everyone pays for trash collection twice. Yeah. Not we're going to correct this by making sure that everyone pays for it only once, which would be, I think the implication of what would be fair based on what they're saying in the ad. Yeah. I, I, (laughs) they could have just, you know, I guess (laughs) that it's wrong to pay twice. (laughs) Therefore we're going to fix the old law by making sure everyone pays just once. That is not what they're doing. There's by the logic of the ad, they're going to make sure everyone pays twice. Yeah. No, I think that the, you run into all these issues when you talk about this thing. First of all, it's not all single family home yes, owners. Like right, you, right, if you course. can, if you are on a private street that you that's not maintained by the city, then you have to have a private hauler come to your street too, even if you have a big, beautiful single family home. Yeah, and it's not all apartment buildings that have to pay for private haulers to come. Some of them can get their trash to a city maintained street, and thus the city takes their trash without a special fee. I live in a four unit complex that has that we have we do not pay a pri- uh, private hauler. Right, we are able to get our trash to the alley, which is with which but is the city service. People out there, stop it! Yes, <laughs> by and large, <laughs> yes. The easy way to explain this is by acknowledging that in the vast majority of circumstances on both sides of this, yeah, it's single family and multifamily. And if you really want to dispute that, it's not for the sake of clarity. It's for the sake of obfuscation. Yeah. You're all right. So the, yeah. Great specimen. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Thank I, you for that. that was, I, was, <laughs> I was fast. When I saw it, I was like looking down. I was like, are they going to, what are they going to say? Are they going to, but no, they just say, you know, some people have to pay twice. Isn't that unfair? Both yeah. for us. It's just like waiting. To and none that. of the measure B ones actually say like, the mailer never says, "Hey, here's why it'd be great to pay a special fee for trash." Yeah, yeah. Like they just they just like move around like all the things that would happen if the fee was implemented. Yeah. But but never like just I, confront people I, with it. I, I want to be clear that like I don't think that like mail pieces should be held to the standard of like journalism. Or journalism. Yeah. Like I I I get it. You got a campaign to run. It's it's no. It's, it's fine. It's but I'm game. just yeah. fascinated by the the implications of the arguments that are used if we actually accept them at face value. Yeah. All right. I'm going to do one. 
Cody Pedersen is running for school board. Yeah. Uh, he's running for school board against Becca Williams. This is for the coastal district of the San Diego Unified School District. And so uh, it's the in most interesting race of them. There's They're both fierce um, uh, campaigners and they've raised money or the, uh, he has a lot of support from the teacher union. She has a lot of support from people who, who want to hold the district accountable, more reform. And there and you know obviously the the democrat versus republican sort of uh, mm-hmm. framing has really come up right so mm-hmm. the teachers unions painted her as a texas republican maga extremist uh and the business communities painted him as a as a nightmare liberal you know and so it's 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 got all the all the characteristics of a classic battle right mm-hmm. yeah especially in, in in this town we don't we don't really get many like straightforward left and right yeah, simple mm-hmm. political spectrum races anymore. Yeah, so this is an ad mailer sent by the teachers' association. Uh, teacher oh my junior. god, that's bad. <laughs> what? <laughs> picture. Oh yeah, she's got a picture of uh, Becca Williams standing with uh, President, uh, former President Trump, but mm-hmm. uh, he's got a real dour look on his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so on the other side, though, that's photoshopped, right? They they didn't. Yeah, I think so. And it's like, <laughs> it's like black and white. Yeah. And like, oh, always black and white. Yeah. Scary. Always black and white. Yeah. 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 But his his side mm-hmm. on the other side is the pro side for Cody Pedersen. Bright and sunny. The teachers union has supported him, and this is again the teachers union's mailer. Mm-hmm. The San Diego Education Association sent this mailer out, published this mailer, and sent it to my house. It says. Uh, he's a public school dad. Okay. Uh, Me too. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the club. Uh, and he says he's got a, a plan to tackle learning loss. Quote, Cody knows kids are struggling. He'll reduce class sizes and add tutoring and extracurriculars to help students catch up on lost academics and missed childhood experiences. So this is the teachers union saying there was a significant learning loss that occurred because of the COVID restrictions and and shutdowns of schools that they did and the online learning that they tried to replace it with and that kids are struggling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, a year ago or so, that was an extremely controversial take and that the teachers union would be very mad for you to insinuate. Yes. And now it's just what they send to my house as fact, <laughs> as, as why you should vote for their preferred Here's candidate. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Check this out. Like if I if like if I had maintained that kids are struggling last year and that there was learning loss that was because of pandemic related restrictions, they would have been like, "No, you are biased against us. Yeah. You're 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 that's an incorrect or challengeable statement. You were that's crossing a line." <laughs> yeah. And now it's just <laughs> Okay, <laughs> he's going to tackle it. <laughs> like we skipped over it. Yeah. You know, that, I know that, it is interesting. I wonder what I don't know here. So unlike the measure B one that we just said, yeah, I, no part of me thinks that like they intend to like carry through the logic that they put forward in that measure B. Absolutely not. What I do wonder about this is: is this an indication of how much that conversation has changed in a year, or is this? saying what you need to say in the moment that you'll you'll discard as soon as the election's over. Oh, I I I absolutely believe that this one's actually targeting my wife. 
yeah. that they've done research that she is concerned about that, which she is. Yeah. And that. So, is, but you, they, but they, you think six months from now, it will continue to be an acceptable statement that learning loss occurred and oh. that, that, that the issue in public education that needs to be addressed is reversing learning loss or uh, no. It depends on how well certain journalists do their job. I guess I don't know. You know, like I, I, I think that's the that's the what's interesting to me. Is this indicative of how much that conversation has changed, or is this another example of people saying whatever just, they need to say? And then in election. six months they'll be like, "Yeah, that was a mailer, stupid." Yeah, don't believe or it. just ignore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, that joke that people say like, and and this happened, and I was arguing this, and then and then he just said it. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's what this feels like to me. Like we we we. You you were you specifically were attacked by people yes. for describing the phenomenon that is now table stakes. This is what they do. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So also, um, one of the big races is this uh, race for city council, mm-hmm. district two, the, the, another coastal district. Jen Campbell, the incumbent Democrat, is running against uh, Linda Lukacs. She's the Republican, mm-hmm. and um, she has a uh, a lot of. Uh, I think arguably more representative views of the that the district shares probably in a large part. You know, mm-hmm. that doesn't want people there. <laughs> <laughs> she, she she's on board with the "don't want people here" uh, argument, and uh, she says uh, she sends out this thing about Jen Campbell's. This is a a, a mailer from Linda Lukic's campaign that says Jen Campbell's record of neglect and failure, and she says on homelessness. Homelessness, quote, in our neighborhood has exploded under Jen Campbell's watch. She hasn't provided effective leadership. Now, two rows down mm-hmm. is another uh, column, and she says, Jen Campbell's record of neglect and failure, protecting our coast and preserving our neighborhood's character. She says, quote, despite the objections of local residents and constituents, Jen Campbell voted for major new developments in Point Loma and Claremont that will increase density, traffic, and pollution. She voted to remove the coastal height limit. So this is <laughs> right next to each other. We have a complaint about homelessness. homelessness. And and then right below it is a complaint about homes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, and it, it just, they just, it's like, doesn't even occur to them that that's a, contradiction Mm -hmm. it's just homes are bad but so is not having one (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's a good one uh all right so on that uh, on a related topic i do have one which i love which is um here's a yes on measure c okay yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and this is a a yes on measure c that is um oh yeah (laughs) specifically target targeting republicans okay so measure c is the Coastal height limit, the the midway area is west of I five, and you can't build higher than thirty feet. Yeah, and so this this uh, mailer, um, I'm presuming, was sent to Republican households. Uh, on one side, it says Republicans support Measure C. It's got a picture of uh, Mark Kersey and Scott Sherman, mm-hmm. um, and then on the other side, it says Measure Yes on Measure C, protect single family homes. Mm-hmm. Now. If you pay enough attention to city politics that you have listened this far into this episode of this show, and I mean, if only that, if this is the most you've ever done, you already pay enough attention that you know that this measure has mostly broken down on a pro-development, anti-development stance. Mm-hmm. Right. There are people who uh, oppose the measure who may try to quibble with that framing, 
But those people are all anti-development people who just don't like when I say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's true. Yeah. None of them are actually pro-development. This is a this is a, a measure that is uh, asking people, what's your vision of San Diego? More development or not? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so they say measure C protects single family homes. It's a tailored message for Republican voters. And underneath it, there's a photo of Kensington mm-hmm. um, and a bunch of single family neighborhoods. Does it label it Kensington or just it's, it's the it's sign? Obvious. It's the oh. sign of Kensington. Um uh, then it looks like maybe like a, <laughs> nice. a, a hillside in maybe like Bankers Hill, I'm guessing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Golden Hill. Oh, uh, it's Golden Hill, actually. It's a hillside of Golden Hill. Um, some townhomes that are like tract homes that maybe are in like, I don't know, Tierra Santa or something. And then like a little park. What does Measure C do? Here is what, what, what you're looking for. Some plain spoken explanation. What does Measure C do? First bullet maintains single family home zoning in beach communities and other neighborhoods. <laughs> so because it literally doesn't do anything for those neighborhoods, it maintains it them. It maintains them. <laughs> Got yes. it. Yes. <laughs> Since it do- what it doesn't do is change single family home zoning, it maintains single family home zoning. <laughs> it's Boom. accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Nerds coming after me for something that's clearly, clearly true. true. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh what does measure C do? It protects current abortion access yes right yeah it doesn't change that yeah it's true but yeah come after us for that yeah. um i mean under no circumstances could anyone dispute the fact that measure c provides continued levels of support for the ongoing war in ukraine <laughs> next next bullet Mm-hmm. Protect single-family home zoning by adding more housing for low-income San Diegans to a commercial zone, underlined, not single-family home neighborhoods. Yeah. Now, so there is, like, the crumb of an honest argument there that, like, you could even arguably say is, like, supported by urban research, which shows that one pretty powerful anti-gentrification tool is to build housing in other areas. If you, if, you, if you don't want people to with money to go buy up the housing stock in Southcrest and Barrio Logan, one way to do it is to build a lot of housing in Linda Vista. Yeah. I mean, you right. can think of so it like, like a- it's, that, that's not untrue necessarily. There's only so many people out there with money to buy homes. And if you don't build them somewhere else, they'll take their money somewhere else to buy them. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like you do see things like areas with it, like city heights. Where they can't, people can't afford to buy homes in North Park. They have enough money right. for a home. They go to City Heights and they pour that money into buying a home and then renovating it up to the standard of what they might have otherwise been able to buy in North Park. Right? It's it's like a really it's like a parallel to like a a flood argument, right? That if you're dealing with like sea level rise, you yeah. should like cut out waterways yeah. for water to go into. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is the same thing. It's saying like we got this crush of housing needs so let's let's channel them like put them there through yeah. these areas that eh, we don't like anyway yes and they won't work in the water we'll won't get to your house places. yes yeah. so there you go that's the the that's the, good. the republican arg- the argument pitched to republicans to go yes on c oh uh, there's a third one there's a third one that that in fairness we should uh allows the city to rebuild the 54 year old sports arena with a modern sports and entertainment hub was just, that's the most direct, accurate yeah. thing. Like the, the, you could not build the sports arena again there 
under the current law, you have to vote for this if you want that to be rebuilt because it wouldn't be allowed. Mm-hmm. It's grandfathered in. Yeah. Nice. Protect single family. Yeah. But that's that's the top thing it does is protect single family home. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, it's the Voice of San Diego election draft. Stay with us. Join culture creator Remel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's Program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. Are you looking to engage with regional decision makers, business leaders, elected officials, and industry professionals committed to improving downtown San Diego? Join the Downtown San Diego Partnership. As a member, you'll receive access to exclusive resources, exposure to special programming, networking functions, and additional opportunities unmatched by any other local membership-based organization. Join the driving forces behind the future of downtown San Diego. For a 10% discount, become a member today. Okay, as we have done now for several cycles, we will begin our great 2022 election draft from the Voice San Diego podcast. We will choose the races going around in in a predetermined order. Who gets to pick a race? You, know, you pick a race. You this is a race you want to see resolved, mm-hmm. uh, and you want to see soon how it comes out. So when we do our election night podcast, we will circle back and see how they did. Mm-hmm. So we will defer to the draft tour about to 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 walk us through the results of the right the things that they have drafted. Right. So with the first pick of the. Voice San Diego 2022 election draft. We're going to start with Andrea Lopez Villafana. I'm so nervous. You're okay. This is your first draft. I think, you know, you'll learn next year. It's sportsy for me. It has nothing to do with sports except that we have no other frame to make these decisions. It's as. As unnecessary a frame as we have on this show, and <laughs> and, and it's become a tradition. <laughs> What's your choice? Amara Campanajar and John McCann. Chula Vista. The Chula Mares. Vista Mares race going number one overall. Chula Vista Mares race. Yeah. Okay. Um, Talk to me. What do you? What? What are you? What are you? Uh, what are you going to be looking for, and why? I met both candidates, hung out with them mm-hmm. during the primary, hung mm-hmm. out with all the other candidates, and mm-hmm. I think they're both really interesting individuals. And 
I think this race has just been insane. <laughs> From when I covered it in the primary, what people were most concerned about to watch what the race has become um, and how people have engaged with their campaigns of claims that Omar doesn't live there. Oh, now John is stalking him by hiring this private investigator. I just um, got a thing this whole weekend about how McCann's getting a lot of support financially from a woman who was pardoned by President Trump for the five-hour five, five energy scandal. Remember that? She was mislabeling things. So it, just, it is nasty. It just seems like so far removed from the people who I spoke with yeah. <laughs> during the primary. And I just, I find Chula Vista really interesting. And I think that it's a really interesting city. It's a really interesting point. A lot of people have big ideas for it, but they don't have big budgets for it. So I don't know. It's just interesting to me. Yeah. I think it'll also be a bit of, I mean, we'll find out at the same time for everything. So bellwether isn't the really the correct word, but like if Amar doesn't win in a city that is heavily democratic, uh -huh. Chula Vista has a significant Democratic voter advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we just looked it up. It's like 70,000 Dems, like 40,000 Republicans, and then like 40,000 yeah. um, declined to state. And, well, and so if, if he doesn't win, I think we will be looking at a really rough night for Democrats. Now, what does a rough night for Democrats mean in San Diego County where like there aren't that many Republicans on the ballot, period? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's hard to say you'd have to like come up with some proxy arguments about what measures where people broke down ideologically on certain measures. But like the advantage should so thoroughly go to the Democrat in this race that um, the outcome will, I think, tell us a lot. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, as you found out through this process, when you followed the primary, like name recognition matters in these yeah. races. Mm -hmm. And McCann's been a politician there for a long time um, like I said, they've they've done all they can to try to disqualify mm -hmm. um, each other, and and he's certainly run a lot to do that against Amar. Mm -hmm. um, and he's going to have that name recognition. He's going to have the support of the police and these mm -hmm. kind of institutions. Uh, it's it's not going to be straight partisan. Mm -mm. No, I remember when when we had our live event, yeah. our live uh, debate with them. A woman went up to me afterwards and she was like, I was having a really hard time figuring out who I was going to vote for. I'm a Democrat. Um, but wow, I think it's going to be John. Like, and Yeah, I was, was, I was there with yeah, you when right? she said that. I was like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> that was just like a really interesting takeaway. Yeah. She, like she was really like she felt like she couldn't trust Amar because of all the messaging about whether he lived in Chula Vista or not. And she had other reasons too. Like she felt like he wasn't actually involved in the community. Doesn't really matter where he sleeps. Like she had just never really heard of him, but she seen John around the community plant. Yeah, they, they they treated that as like a criminal probe. Like, does he live here or not? <laughs> yeah. As opposed to like a question of was he involved here yeah. as a leader which is, or not? Which is frankly much more, much easier to resolve. Yeah. And, and, and much more like, poignant but yeah, like, it seems at, like it at the, the essence of the thing yeah. Yeah. yeah and 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 then you know like mccann though if like mccann kept kept stressing me he's like no no no. but seriously let me walk you through the detailed conclusion yeah. about why i don't believe and then I'm he like, failed to <laughs> walk anything yeah, through any yeah. but it was just <laughs> very hard to follow what he was talking yeah. about um i want to we can this will probably uh apply to a lot of things we talk about here but before 2020 or before 2018 i should say 
like the s- standard conventional wisdom in San Diego politics was that in off year elections, Mm -hmm. Democrats turned out at far, far lower numbers. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so they punched below their weight electorally during those elections. Mm -hmm. And there was even significant like initiatives passed to take decisions away from primaries and push them to generals Mm -hmm. and um, and sort of an understanding that like certain types of candidates couldn't win in off year elections or couldn't win at primaries. And then 2018 happened and like that was just blown out of the water. That just didn't yeah. matter even a little bit. Democrats won everything uh, in San Diego County. It was a great year for them nationally. And so like we haven't heard about that late- lately, but it's worth remembering that for like the 10 years before that, it was just like something everyone knew to be true. You didn't yeah. even talk about it that much because it was so obviously the case. And 2018 is just one year. One year doesn't make a trend. So it's possible that what we see this year is a return to that political norm where like mm-hmm. Republicans do much better in these types of elections. Yeah, we, we looked it up. Congressman Mike Levin won his race in 2018 against an established prominent Republican in what was considered a very swingy district, Cal- Congressional District 49. Mm-hmm. He won 60-40. He won 60-40. Like that was how big that wave was. The anti-Trump, you know, the mm-hmm. kind of come home election. And I don't think we see anything close. And I do think we go back to, yes, this is going to skew. Now, maybe not all the way back, but it's, you know, it, sure. it sort of uh, it trends back. All right. With the second pick in the 2022 Voice San Diego election draft, it's my pick. And I'm going to pick Measure B. Measure B. B is for Ben's. Bees for bins. for bins. Um, there's basically three measures for the city of San Diego on the ballot. Mm-hmm. And two of them would drastically change San Diego's way of life. I mean, there's there, there'd be like a whole different neighborhood in Midway. And there would be, if, if measure B, there would be a new fee on trash collection and some related policies that I think really changed how people's Okay. You've been a little overstated here. I mean, I don't want to be blasé about uh, people operating on bu- strained budgets getting a new fee if attached to their life. But uh, I think I, I think I, I currently get free trash, selection, trash service. If this were to pass, I don't think that my way of life would be materially different. You would have to pay a fee. I would it would it would that, change. It uh, would change. Okay. How many election votes are there that where it literally changes something about your life? Okay. Okay. If that's the I mean? standard. Sure. Okay. Like, yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty. So okay. it would change things pretty significantly is yeah. what I'm saying. Now, I'm still going to wake up at the same time yeah. every day, still going <laughs> to do most of the same things, still have a crippling coffee addiction. And yet neither of those, B or C, are getting the attention that D is getting. Right. right the project right. labor agreement discussion. We can get into that later. But I do think C or B is the one that like, will have the most profound impact on San Diego City policy and, you know, again, people's uh, more direct experience with the city. Yeah. And so I think it's kind of crazy that, like, it's it has a really good shot of passing. Yeah. Again, for decades, it was seen as, like, this no-go. Like, it's, well, we sh- if people would say, like, 
boy, the city needs more revenue for X or Y or Z. And, uh, and they're like, well, what would you, where would you get that from? And they'd yeah. say like, well, we could start charging for tap for trash pickup. Ha! And they'd be like, yeah, good <laughs> luck with that. And We're we going to fire you from your new job at the taxpayers yeah. association for even being stupid enough to mention it. <laughs> yeah. And, and now it's on the ballot and it's like, and I think it's like this classic moment where they've, they've, they, they have to get it in now. Yeah. Again, in, in four years, it would be not allowed or whatever. This is, I think, again, a more conservative electorate. And, and it seems like it has a good chance to pass. So I really want to see it. I want to see the numbers. I want to see yeah, it. I think that's the most interesting thing to me is like our ongoing understanding of like where the third rails of San Diego yeah. politics are. Because this was long presumed to be one of them. It, it, for it to even be floated was sort of surprising and bold of Shawnee Lou Rivera to push the issue. Yeah. And so now we get to like test it, like it's not often that there's like a perfect test for an, a matter of conventional wisdom. Yeah, he broke the the, the news that he was going to pursue this with our Lisa Halverstadt, a story that yeah. she did. Right. Yeah. And I remember I got a call from somebody after that and they're like, I cannot believe he's bringing this up. Like, th- that's just like a no go. It's just not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Seems like he's distracted. Doesn't know what he's talking about. And like five days away from seeing it maybe being implemented yeah it's wild or what maybe we'll learn yeah the people who were like don't touch that had had some keen insight into the the minds of the san diego people with the third selection in the great voice san diego 2022 election draft andy keats Uh, all right so the the other one that goes right along with with measure b the ken to it's ryu the uh, sub-zero to its scorpion. <laughs> I will take measure C. Okay. <laughs> so this is this same measure. What? I'm just leaving that there for all the fans. People will like it. Um, so the same thing. Measure E in 2020 passed with 56% of the vote. Yes. It was uh, Todd Glory got 56% of the vote. Yeah. What was the other one we always cited that got similar? Uh, housing bond, which failed because it needed 66%, but it right. ended up having essentially the same percentage of support. Right. So it was like a sign that like, this is this housing need, this this Todd Gloria big city energy. <laughs> this, he keeps like, saying that. This 56% elect, 56% of the electorate, which is like sizable. You have yeah. 56%. You can they do want most this. Things. They want us to grow. They want us to build housing. They're done with the politics of exclusion. So unfortunately... For that, that narrative, <laughs> that narrative. Uh, uh, the court decided that they hadn't studied it enough and the impacts of it weren't disclosed enough. And thus it was illegal. And now they have to vote again. Which the decision to vote again was a decision. Yeah. One that we discussed at the time. I know we wrote about it in the politics report. We probably talked about it on this show that like, you had to really weigh whether that was a good decision because now there's more negatives for it. At the time, the negatives that we saw potentially weighing it down from that 56 and change percent of the vote was you were going to be in an off-year election. So it's a potentially a older, wealthier, more conservative electorate that may not like this measure. Um, and also um, it had just lost in court. So you've got this this negative story out there about the city breaking environmental laws to push this forward that could also weigh it down. Mm -hmm. 
And then there was a third issue that happened between then and now after the decision was made, which was they chose a developer to go through with the sports arena project and then had to go through weeks and weeks of negative coverage about the fact that the developer they chose had given $100,000 to a committee supporting the mayor's uh, election campaign in 2020. Um, and, you know, which we also wrote about and then and then a bunch of questions about him and the project and whether the project was really right. good and all this sort of things. There were particulars. And so there's been there are structural factors that put this in a worse situation than it was in 2020. There are particular factors that put this in a worse situation than it was in in 2020, all of which makes me just fascinated to see how does it do relative to how it did two years ago. This mm -hmm. is the same measure. This is the exact same as, I, as I said, like you don't often get a clean referendum on conventional wisdom as we're about to get with measure B. You really don't often get a clean revote on the same measure from two years earlier to measure against how did the electorate change? How did the particulars change? We get to see a lot. And I'll add that like because of that narrative about this getting 56, Todd Glory getting 56, affordable housing measure getting 56, all of which people were very happy to tout as evidence of this ascendant big city movement. The 56, yeah. That this is kind of has the feel of a Todd Gloria midterm referendum to me. Yeah. Um, how, you know, you, he doesn't, he's not on the ballot this year. He's not on the ballot for two more years. But how this vote goes is going to be as close as we get. This is the proxy we're going to be able to have for how voters are feeling about Todd Gloria, frankly. And I, and, and I think it's fair because not only for the reasons I said about what people said after 2020, but because he decided to put this on the ballot again. He decided to choose a developer ahead of the election. He just decided which developer to choose, and it happened to be a developer who had given him $100,000 for his election campaign. Um, so I think all of that means that not only do we get to see how Midway is going to be changed, it's going to tell us a lot about the mayoral administration two years in. Mm -hmm. Or how people, it'll tell us a lot how people feel about the mayoral and, and administration also, two years in. Like how things have changed. Because think back, November of 2020 yeah. was still the dark part of the pandemic restrictions and school wasn't uh, open and we were and still the in this. Racial reckoning was, right. was top of mind in all of national politics and all of local politics. Right. And I, I think that had a measurable impact on this discussion like you know everybody was a little bit sensitive about you know every discussion and and whether they wanted to really get into it and now they're not now they're like yeah you, <laughs> they literally put out a flyer with a bunch of white kids playing soccer saying like this is what's at stake yeah with this yeah, this is the the no <laughs> yeah the no one measure and it's people. like okay like um so i think that uh i'm in with you like gonna be looking at it right away yeah uh, with my next choice, I'm going to take the District 6 City Council campaign. Ooh, good choice. Good choice. Uh, the District 6 City, City Council campaign I am interested in because I guess we are starting to see what races will look like now that basically every seat in the city of San Diego is dominated by Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, as it's taken shape, has really fallen into the same framework that Mayor Todd Gloria and his opponent, former councilwoman Barbara Bree, fell into in 2020, where 
for lack of a better term, it's like the uh, keep San Diego as it is and protect what we have Mm -hmm. view of city politics versus the we can grow and welcome more people and become more exciting and more vibrant. You know what's funny about that? Yeah. Barbara Bree is now running for assessor. Yeah. And I asked her what she thinks about that. Remember, she was an opponent to the height limit increase. She was pretty skeptical of the trash fee. Yeah. And now she endorses both of those. Yeah. I think like, you know, once you get firmly like into the Democrat only, you don't have to make that distinction again. Right. Mm, Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, because what else are you going to do? You're running against a Democrat and the the contours of this race with Kent Lee are the, the same as the other one. He has the support of the Chamber of Commerce. He's got the support of the Labor Council. He's got the support of the Democratic Party. If you're Tommy Howe and you've been edged out of all of those things and you're thinking, well, how do I cobble together 50% plus one of the vote without those, you know, the the basically the only organized political actors in the county? What do you, like, what do you go for? Yeah. What, what, what is your messaging plan? And I think... I don't know if this is the way it will always be, but so far, faced with that same scenario, he's made the same calculation that Barbara Bree made when she was in the same situation. Yeah. So there's the question, too, about this is an Asian empowerment district. Mm-hmm. Will, mm-hmm. It, will it remain a, represented by an Asian American? There's also the question um, about how well his Tommy Howe's name recognition factors into this. He's been running for, what, four years in this district? Mm-hmm. He's a uh, former pretty prominent radio host in San Diego. And, uh, but Kent Lee has a ton, a ton of institutional support. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there too. Mm-hmm. All right. With the fifth pick in the 2022 Voice San Diego election draft. Lopez. I'm going to go with another mayor's race, National City. Oh, you took it. <laughs> Sorry. You can talk about it too. No, I will. I could. I guess I originally wasn't paying too much attention to this race until you guys started writing about it in the politics report. Um, Because I think that as a reporter who covered like San Diego neighborhoods, but also occasionally the South Bay, um, I always felt or thought at least that, you know, Alejandra was like the choice for everybody in the community and like her decisions aligned with what people in national city wanted. Um, But I feel like something's changed. Yeah. So incumbent Alejandro Sotelo Solis, that's the question. What has changed? Mm -hmm. Because for a small place like Mm -hmm. national city with an incumbent running for reelection, it's, it seems very difficult for that incumbent to lose re-election unless they have like really significant scandals or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't. No. So what happened instead was a series of fallouts with her traditional allies, the mm-hmm. Democratic Party, labor, uh, unions wanted to oust the city manager and she stood behind the city manager. Uh, these kind of minor squabbles that have that for whatever reason turned into massive political problems for mm-hmm. her. And this seat matters in the regional system as well. Who represents National City could uh, have a vote on the regional transportation agency, all those places. And so, yeah, does the insurgent, the city councilman who's running against her, take it? 
does their fight between him, Jose Rodriguez, and her, Alejandro Sotelo Solis, allow a third candidate, the former mayor, Ron, Ron Morrison, Morrison who's won like a, a dozen elections in National City, <laughs> meaning yeah. like lots of people Tremend- there. Talk about like name recognition. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Like the most name recognition. Yeah. So yeah, I, like it would be crazy to overlook the possibility that he could he could sneak in in a three way race. Mm-hmm. What did when when we had our our debate with them? What what was the feeling you got about like how the race was coming together and what they thought of each other? Kind of tied to what we were talking about earlier with allies, you know, like little things that happened with allies leaving. I think Jose might have mentioned during our debate that you know he was once a supporter of hers and he once really you know worked well with her or whatever but um now he's running against her and and he would be someone who would be supporting her as the incumbent to be mayor again but yeah i mean at the heart of this story is is the challenge a politician has mm-hmm. in not just winning an election but then maintaining their network mm-hmm. you can see this throughout any um democratic system there's people who do really well at that and there's others that don't mm-hmm. and it seems like she in particular has had all this trouble like just holding on. And the guy who ran against her was her ally. Yeah. And and he said so. Like he said that he's supported her in the past and now he's running against her. And do you remember where she said something like like there's points where she's the favorite child and like there's points where you're not. And this is just a point where she's not the favorite child. And that was really interesting. And also there was that really interesting moment when we asked her about the other city councilman, Marcus Bush. Mm-hmm. He had decided to take his endorsement away from her mm-hmm. and give it to Jose Rodriguez instead. And we asked her about that. Mm-hmm. And at first she was like... But she didn't see it that way. Yeah, at first she kind of like denied that it happened. Mm-hmm. Like like she was kind of like, you can't take your endorsement away. Mm-hmm. Like you've endorsed me. Like procedurally, you, it, you can't. You, it's, 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 it's done. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it was a really interesting... Uh, sort of window into what she saw as like loyalty, like mm-hmm. you can't take it back. And Marcus Bush was like, "Well, yeah." I, he literally sent her a cease and desist letter saying, "Like you yeah, got to stop saying yeah. that I endorsed you." Uh, so it's just a yeah, really, it's a small small place as far as compared to like these other cities, but it has mm-hmm. big implications in regional government and just a. Uh, it's also a proxy battle. It seems like right. We were talking about the Democrats running against each other. Another bigger one was the David Alvarez versus Georgia mm-hmm. Gomez assembly race. Which in previously, she's not mentioned this as much lately, but this summer, Alondra told me that she thinks the real reason people have turned against her is that in that race, she supported David Alvarez over Georgia Gomez and that that's the real reason people turned against her. Yeah. Should that as, as that has faded in prominence, it so too has it faded in her explanation of why she's facing these headwinds. Um, but yeah, it's, th- there's no question that there's these sorts of blue on blue races are creating odd new politics that we're still figuring out, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, you might have deduced there's three candidates running, which means that you do not need a majority to win this race. It's the plurality, whoever has the most votes mm-hmm. or compared to the others. Mm-hmm. With the final selection mm-hmm. in the Voice San Diego 2022 election draft, me scott lewis mm-hmm. i've got three i don't know what to do <laughs> i don't i should have made this decision you have i have to can't. pick one um 
I know. I think I. I don't think the school board race is going to be as competitive, so I'm not going to say that. And the sheriff's race, I would love to say, and it's it's interesting, but I'm not going to say that. And the Congress race, we just don't. We haven't followed it as well. It's a good one. I'm instead going to go with the race for assessor. <laughs> I don't know why I thought you were going to do that one, and you, you did. did. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's just really... It's just like it's, such a boring title. I know. But it's an interesting thing. It's not, though. To you don't explain. have to admit that. Yeah. These are two like well-resourced candidates mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they decided to go against each other in this race for, for a truly boring scene. There's Barbara Bree, who's you know, had a whole career. Yeah. Uh, she's, uh, this, she's not going to do much after this. She walked race. away from a city council seat yeah. when she didn't need to necessarily to run for mayor. Yeah. She's not going to run for governor or whatever. So right. why does she want this race? She's got, she's raised a lot of money. She's put a lot of effort into this. Mm-hmm. Jordan Marks, this is, this, class, he, this, this is what he wants. He wants Been to like go build this. into this for years. He right? wants to do this. He wants to go to rotaries across the city yeah. and speak I mean, the, about what the assessor does for the rest of his life. Let me He's tell you, so like, excited about the, that. like you talk to like political consultants that like, and I'm talking about like democratic political consultant yeah. types, the number of people who say like Jordan Marks is a political machine. Oh, it is. People are, people are impressed by his ability to raise money and win support. He is a vacuum for raising money. He is incredible at it. And, and so does he, does Which that to do in an obscure race is indicative of like a, a, a keen political talent. Yeah. So she's, She's also got these resources. She's got the support of the party. Uh, has she pulled all the triggers possible to like to oust uh, a guy who has a little bit better name recognition? I mean, not he's name recognition. Sort of like uh, a pseudo incumbent. A, a better, he's, he's a try. He's tried to position himself as the pseudo incumbent. Yeah, he has a better designation on the ballot. It would mm-hmm. seem like chief deputy assessor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so does that. But does the partisan makeup of the county finally? you know, push her forward or is the, yeah, I mean, uh, is the vote going to be so much more conservative this midterms that it's not, it's going to, it's just so many questions. There's so little polling and the polling I have heard about has like 60% undecided. Like what are we, what, what's, what's that going to do? What is this office? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean the, the recent, in recent history, we've not seen a Democrat win any of these countywide races. Mm-hmm. Now that might happen elsewhere. That might happen at the sheriff's department. If, if Kelly Martinez wins and she has, Lots of establishment support that had long gone to Republicans, so that one like confuses things a little bit about bucking that trend. But this one is clean. This is a this is a, a genuine Democrat versus a genuine Republican in a countywide race where no Democrat has won countywide in a very long time, if ever. And so we need to like get to see it, right? It, it, like. It's one thing to project what could happen based on demographics or districting or voter registration or, you know, to forecast turnout in some way. But like, I've not seen it. I've not seen a Democrat win a county race. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what'd you think? Your first election draft? Feel, nice. you're, you're happy with your, your team? Yeah. Are you going to be able to like win? April comes around and the NFL draft is in front of us. Are you going to be able to like be very no very authoritative about it? <laughs> no. It's going to be like Bryce Young. Got to take Bryce Young. Number one. No question about it. <laughs> I did. Actually, I had dinner with my friends a couple months ago and they were talking about 
the 49ers coach. <laughs> and that was the first time ever my friends talked about sports. Did so. they? What, did, what were they talking about? The Kyle, Kyle Shanahan? Shanahan. Why, 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 what? I think it was him. Yeah. It's like some handsome coach. Maybe it's oh, not 49ers. Maybe Sean McVay. Maybe the San Francisco Giants coach? I don't know. I'm revealing who I think is handsome. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I, Sean McVay, the... Los Angeles Rams coach, and he played the 49ers recently. Oh. He's often described as is he as, as handsome. Well, they were saying he's got, that he's like, got like a, a handsome guy haircut, yeah. for lack of a better <laughs> now word. Now you're describing who you think is handsome. <laughs> they were saying that like there's TikTok videos, uh, like that people think this coach is so handsome, and mm-hmm. like that even on TV they they like hold the camera on him longer than they do with other coaches. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Anyways. I'll look into this. Yeah, I'd like to. <laughs> wow, you, that's off my radar. I spend a lot of time following sports, and whatever that TikTok trend is, is off my radar. Nice. Yeah. All right. We'll see you Tuesday night for our special podcast on the election results. Thanks for listening to the Voice San Diego podcast, the most popular public affairs podcast recorded in this section of San Diego, covering local elections and local politics and we'll do a special podcast session on uh tuesday night and wednesday morning it will be available we are the most popular public affairs podcast that does all of that keep up with our election coverage and all of our reporting with the morning report our most popular product get it at vost.org newsletters that's vost.org newsletters i'm scott lewis ceo and editor-in-chief at voice san diego andrew keats is our uh, managing editor Andrea Lopez Villafaña is our managing editor as well for Daily News. And Nate Johns, our producer, great producer. He's a good guy. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.